0: Good morning, our scripture comes from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. Today we'll specifically look at verse 9, but we're going to go ahead and read all the way through verse 13. Again, the reading is from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, but the sermon will pay attention to verse 9. Let us hear now the words of Jesus. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let us go to him in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So for the next... Uh, few weeks, really until the end of May, we are going to dive into the Lord's Prayer found here in the Gospel of Matthew. But it is not the only location of the Lord's Prayer. Luke also records the Lord's Prayer in chapter 11, and he records it this way. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. As you can see from comparing the two very different accounts of the Lord's Prayer, there are some similarities and some dissimilarities. And you will also have noticed that it is different than the actual prayer we pray when we are gathered together, for ours also has an ending. We call it a doxology. The doxology, we believe, was added around the second or third century by early church fathers. We find it in the Didache, which is an early church document of apostles' teachings. But yes, the Lord's prayer is something that he gave to us. And so it's recorded in Luke that a disciple came to Jesus and asked, Lord, teach us to pray. It's really a fascinating question, a fascinating request on the behalf of this disciple. Because if we stop and think for a moment of everything Jesus did, well, then we will recall things that Jesus healed the sick and the blind and the lame, that he also went on performing miracles, like turning water into wine, and waking from a slumber in the midst of a boat and a terrible storm, and just telling it to stop, and it does. We also think of feeding the 5,000, this giant crowd that's hungry, a little boy who brings two loaves and five fish, and he turns it into enough food for everyone to eat. Or even the simple things Jesus did, the teaching and his preaching. But it's in all of the gospel accounts of Jesus' ministry that the request the disciples had of Jesus wasn't to learn any of those other things. Even though that would be extremely cool, right? Right? If all of a sudden you were able to take your lunch and, and say a prayer over it and be able to feed everybody, how nice would that be? But that's not what the disciple asked Jesus. He asked, Lord, teach me, teach us how to pray. Why do you suppose that was the request from Jesus? I believe that the disciples spending all of this time with Jesus... But what clearly set him apart from everyone else in the world was his closeness. Was his time spent with or his withness to the heavenly father. Jesus, we are told, frequently goes away to pray, to be close, to spend time with the Father. In Matthew 14, verse 23, it says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. In Mark 6, verse 46, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. In Luke 6, verse 12, in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, at the beginning of his ministry, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And in Luke 5, verse 16, but he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. Now, this Luke scripture indicates that this wasn't just a single time occurrence, but this was a very rhythm and a very part of Jesus' living, that he would go away from the crowds. He would go away from the preaching and teaching. He would go away from the miracles and seek and sought after time with the Father. Jesus is always leaving to go be with the Father. To pray to God. You know, Jesus modeled a life, his life, with a closeness to the Father that was unlike anything anyone had ever witnessed. And they wanted to have a life to be a part of the closeness and witness of God the Father, too. Don't you see? This question that is asked of Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, isn't about themselves and how to be more admired, more sought after, how to be a better preacher, how to grow a church, how to do miracles so that they can get the attention. But rather their question was one that first seeks the kingdom of God. Jesus, teach us to talk to the Father. Teach us to be with the Father. Teach us how to be close to the Father. Teach us how to pray. How do we spend time with the Father is the question. See, the disciples desire to give their attention and life to being with the Father as Jesus did. And that can be a struggle for us. In 1971, Herbert Simon, an American economist and cognitive psychologist, noted that many designers of information systems incorrectly represented their design problem as information scarcity rather than attention scarcity. In recent years, that's developed into what has been commonly known as attention economics or attention economy. That what the scarce resource is isn't information, but it is our very attention. How do we decipher what to give our attention to and get away with the stuff that is not necessary? And with the advent of the smartphone that every one of us has in our pocket or you're watching right now this worship service with, at our fingertips is all of the information we could ever desire or dream of. Merely you have to ask, hey Siri, hey Google, or Alexa, search for this. And the information is there for us. So it's not the information that's the limited resource. It's our attention because we only have so much time to give throughout the week. And so what's happened, and it goes all the way back to Nielsen ratings. TV executives have known for years exactly what our attention span is or, or how to make it what it needs to be, exactly how many seconds of commercials can they squeeze in before we flip the channel. They know this down to the second. And with the smartphone, they've been tracking us, and we really haven't been that concerned about it. So they've learned our behaviors. They've learned what keeps our attention For instance, Facebook knows, which if you're watching us today, you're more than likely watching on Facebook. Facebook knows that if it was just overrun with advertisements, you would flip it off and put it down and probably never pick it up again. But they've figured out an algorithm to keep our attention. So when you're done with worship today, go to your newsfeed and you'll see there's a post from a real person, post from a real person, post from a real person, and an ad. It's three posts from real people and then an ad every time through your newsfeed. They've figured it out exactly how much we're willing to tolerate before we put it down. It's also true in video games. We we think it's not, but if you play any kind of video game on your phone or on a system, they know exactly how many times you will fail before you're willing to set the game down and never pick it up again. They know what the threshold is. And so, right before you reach that threshold, right when you're ready to give up, if you fail that level again, it suddenly gets easier and you win and pass on. And for, it's not an information scarcity, it's an attention scarcity. It's scary, but our attention is up for sale. What we devote our eyes, our energy, our time to is for sale, and everyone is wanting a piece of it. And the developers of smartphones and and knowing that they want to crave our attention want us to barely be able to set it down without picking it up. I'm guilty of it. Of myself and it find it incredible that they would even put technology on there to let us know how much screen time we've spent so we can see if we're going up or if we're spending less time it's a difficult thing to manage but in fact this has been studied for a while it's even been studied in churches somewhat 20 or so years ago the study came out that the average churchgoer that's you guys paid attention to approximately seven minutes of the sermon. So if the sermon's 35 minutes long, you're getting 20% of it. And now they also clarify that this wasn't a consecutive seven minutes. This was seven minutes in total. So you may get 20 seconds here, five seconds here, a minute and a half there. Attention, it's this scarce resource. It's this inability. And so if we're talking average, some people pay attention the whole time, like you do. I know you're paying attention the entire time. But there's others who click off right away. And now, even with the technology that we're streaming all of this, we know more than ever when people are tuning us out. (laughs) We know that it happens after the music. We know that it happens after communion. We know that it happens when prayer begins. Our attention is for sale, and we haven't even realized it. And yet, here are the disciples. Lord, teach us to give our attention to spending time with God. And so, in a world trying to buy our attention, the Father is just there waiting to hear from you, for you to come and spend time with Him. And so, Jesus teaches us how. Now, We'll begin today and we'll go through the end of May through this Lord's Prayer found in Matthew. Because it's here that Jesus teaches us how to spend time with the Father. Not only a prayer to pray, but a model of prayers to pray on our own. And so here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name our Father. Jesus teaches us that prayer isn't a formal thing, that for the redeemed, for those who have faith in Christ, for those who stand in the grace that Jesus provided us, prayer isn't a formal thing, but personal and intimate. Not with some inanimate object, but with our Father. For you see, people who are not related to the king address the king as his highness, his majesty, or some other royal formal title, but his children simply call him dad. And when Jesus teaches us to pray, he teaches us to say, our father, and we're reminded we're not standing before some scary judge or king who's going to rain condemnation down upon us, but we are standing before our loving, merciful Father. Now, some people get hung up on this father business. Maybe your earthly father was no good, bad, indifferent, or good. But I'm going to tell you, the father that has adopted us. The Father of Jesus is kind. He's gentle. He's loving and rich in mercy. He's cared about you from the time he created you. He knows everything about you and wants nothing more than for you to be with him, to spend that time, to be loved, to be known, to be adored. For he delights, he delights in spending time with his children. And we stand in grace. For you see, he's our father because of what Christ accomplished on the cross. In the beginning, God created the world and he created male and female and they enjoyed in the garden spending time with God without condemnation, without judgment. And then they disobeyed God and attempted to have a life apart from him by becoming and trying to become like him so they wouldn't need him anymore. And sin entered into the world. And since then, we've carried lived under that sin and created our own sin, rebelling against God, not seeking God, going our own ways, thinking we are in charge of ourselves and we don't need God. But God, but God the Father, being rich in mercy, sent Jesus to live, to die and be resurrected so we might be redeemed. So that we would be adopted as his sons and daughters. So that we would be with him now and forever. So he is our father who is in heaven. Not our big sugar daddy in the sky, but our father who's in heaven, which is a reminder that he is above us, beyond us, and yet all the time, close to us. He's never distant. He's never leaving. He's never forsaking us. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This isn't just a statement of who God is, it is a petition. And a petition is this church word, this prayer word we like to use that is just fancy for requests. Petition means request. And so the very first request in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples, that Jesus prays himself, is that the Father's name be sanctified, that the Father's name be set apart as holy. This petition, this request Jesus lays out for us is our first desire is that God's name be honored, that his name would be made holy. And so when we pray, hallowed be your name, we are primarily praying that, we would be, that he would set us apart unto you, that your name be set apart as holy. See, by desiring God's name to be honored, we're expressing the longing that our lives be holy. I know it gets muddled here, but this will clear it up. Christ himself perfectly brought honor to God's name. That's hallowed be your name. So when we attempt to live a holy life, and when we are being sanctified, Being made holy. It is to bring glory not to ourselves, not to our standing, not to where we are viewed in this life by others in this world, but that God's name would be honored. That upon looking upon us, weak, foolish, sinful, And the world would see what God did through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in our lives. His name will be honored. That's our Father in heaven. Hallowed be his name. And God desires to be with us. And ultimately, it's Jesus who made this possible. And he teaches us how. And again, we hear from David in Psalm 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. How majestic is your name in the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And you want to spend time with us. Amen.